0: Good morning. Uh, Welcome to Black Let me extend my welcome as well. Glad that you are here with us. uh, We've learned not to take for granted the uh, opportunity for us to be together and worship this morning. If you're new to Black we're particularly glad that you are here. Uh, Some of you have been away for a while. Great to have you back and to see you again. And uh, uh, please, again, in this season where we have felt separated from one another, let's make a special effort to Uh, Reach out and greet someone perhaps you don't know, someone you haven't seen in a long time, uh, and make those connections that uh, strengthen us in our life together. There is a black pad there in your pew. If you take it and and sign that, that lets us know uh, who's here this morning. As we make our way through the Gospel of Mark this morning, we find ourselves in Mark chapter 7, uh, beginning with verse 1. Listen again to God's word to us. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observed many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you, no longer let them, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. And again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, Theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. This too is word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our text, verse 1, tells us that Some Pharisees and some teachers of the law from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. They gathered around Jesus not to follow him, not to learn from him. No, they gathered around Jesus to critique him and to evaluate him and his movement. How about you? Did you come to worship this morning? Did you gather here around Jesus so that you can learn from him? Are you here to follow Jesus? Or are you here to critique him? Are you here to learn from Jesus or are you here to evaluate and to see where his followers are falling short? If you're here particularly to evaluate the preaching this morning, I'm afraid I will fall short. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm afraid I will get in the way. But I do believe Jesus is speaking to us this morning in this text. Can we then listen? what Jesus wants to say to us in this text. This is where you should say amen, I think, right? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This text I think feels particularly not I think this text feels particularly pertinent to where we are today, to our current situation. The Pharisees were lay people who took obedience to God and his law very seriously. They took the Jewish scriptures, our Old Testament, very seriously and they not only took the scriptures seriously they took the oral tradition that had developed around the scriptures very seriously for example there are laws in the torah that describe hand-washing rituals for priests but the pharisees understood all of israel to be a priestly community as god had said in exodus 19 and so they encouraged everyone then to live by the commands for the priests they were the serious ones all of life, every detail of life, was to be lived in obedience to the Lord. And there was this growing oral tradition of how one applied the Holy Scriptures to every part of your life, including washing one's hands before you eat. The scribes were also there. They were the, the divinity school professors of their day from Jerusalem, from the finest divinity school in the land in the, land and the world. They were not all Pharisees but they were experts in the Jewish scriptures. And they gather around Jesus. And the first thing they notice is that Jesus' followers were not washing their hands before they ate. They were eating with defiled, unwashed hands. And so they asked Jesus the question, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? It feels like Disciples today are, at, are hearing similar kinds of questions. Why don't you who call yourselves dis- Jesus' disciples, why don't you take a stand against racism, against systemic racism? Or on the other hand, why don't you call yourselves disciples of Jesus? Why don't you speak out against critical race theory? We hear questions like this frequently, whether it's around issues of race or sexuality. Or wearing masks when we gather together? We hear these kinds of questions. We have very serious people, very critical people calling us out and questioning whether we are really walking in God's way because we are not acting in the manner that they prescribe. My conviction is that looking at how Jesus responds to this criticism of his disciples, not washing their hands, will give us indication of how we we together can navigate the various critiques of what we should or should not be doing as Jesus' disciples. So let's look then at how Jesus responds. Jesus' first thought is a scripture passage from Isaiah 29. The first thing that comes into his mind is this passage from Isaiah 29. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And then in verse 8, Jesus makes this contrast between commands of God and human traditions. This is the question for us today. How can we know the difference between the commands of God and human traditions? What we don't need, right, is Dave Dunderdale trying to answer these questions. What we do need is the word of Jesus. And I don't promise that in the next 15 or 20 or maybe 30 minutes, <laughs> we have answers to these questions that are being asked of us. But I do believe Jesus has something to say to us that will help us navigate these questions. To help you anticipate how much longer this term will actually be, let me suggest that there are four things that Jesus wants to say to us this morning. The first thing he says we have already mentioned. In verse 6, Jesus calls us hypocrites, and using Isaiah 29, he describes us as those who honor God with our lips, but whose hearts are far from him. Whenever we are tempted to give a critique of someone else, we are tempted to question whether or not they truly love God when we think they are so wrong on this issue that they cannot possibly know Jesus. And hear Jesus calling us hypocrites. Here, Jesus describing us as those who honor God with our lips, but whose hearts are far from him. When we are in hypercritical mode, our hearts are far from God. This is because, contrary to our misconceptions, God himself is not hypercritical. God does not look at you and look at me looking for something to critique and to be upset about. No, our God As we heard in Psalm 51, our God is full of compassion, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He is our Father, Abba. In a few minutes, I will give you a benediction. One of my favorites is from Numbers chapter 6, where God commands Aaron and the priest to pronounce this blessing over the people of Israel. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious unto you. May the light of his countenance may he lift up the light of his countenance. Do you see the picture here? The picture is God's face, God's face coming alive and shining upon you. The, the light of his countenance being lifted up. Excited to see you. To have our hearts near to God is to have a face that shines and is gracious. I had the joy this week of getting a video, not only one, one of several videos from our twins up in New York. This particular twin reminded me of this. Ian, our son-in-law, had just come home and they're in the backyard, and it's a video of him playing catch with, with Elaine, her granddaughter. And she is throwing the ball to him, and she is not throwing the ball more than probably 18 inches, right, it's throwing the ball to him, and then he throws it back, her, and she catches it, every single time, right, she's incredible, right, <laughs> and to see the face of Ian, right, as his daughter plays catch with him, right, the light of his countenance is lifted up, right, his face shines upon her, not because she's this fantastic athlete, right, but because she's his father, and he delights me, and she starts saying something, in it incomprehensible language to him right <laughs> and his face lights up not because he understands her but because she's talking he doesn't critique her grammar right his face is alive and light that's who our god is right and so when we are in that hypercritical mood we are far from the heart of god who's eager to be with us not one who's desiring to criticize us The second thing Jesus would say to us this morning is that we are prone to following human traditions and to set aside God's commands. He gives an example of this in verses 9 to 13. The command of God we are to follow is the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. And part of what that commandment means is that when your parents get old, you should take care of them, you should provide for them. When they can no longer work for themselves, you need to provide for them. It would be like us saying that children today are responsible for all the expenses of their parents as they grow older. But what some people did, what the human tradition did, is to say that their accrued wealth was Corbin, was, in a very spiritual sort of way, dedicated to God. Right, all my wealth I dedicate to you, God, right? which means I cannot give it away taking care of my parents. It means I can hold on to it and keep it for myself because eventually I will give it all to God. But now you can't have it, mom and dad, right? And And Jesus is saying you take your human tradition, this idea of Corbin, and use it to cancel out God's command of taking care of father and mother. And so the fifth commandment is set aside and parents... Are not cared for. I had the privilege with several of us here at Black to attend a class offered by the North Carolina Studies Center and, and Regent College. It was taught by Professor Mark Knoll and one of the leading uh, American church historians. The class was on the Bible, slavery, and the Civil War. And the class looked at the history of how the Bible was interpreted and used in our nation leading up to and during the Civil War. And Dr. Noel presented the, the arguments based on the Bible that were used to justify slavery and that were used to argue for its abolition. And as we look back now, almost 200 years later, we, we shake our heads right at the, the human traditions the, that clouded their judgment, how their cultural biases and presuppositions were not even acknowledged, and how this determined how they read the scriptures. We, too, have our human traditions. We, too, have our cultural biases and presuppositions. We, too, have our blind spots. We interpret Scripture to accommodate those biases. And this is why it's so important for us to be in fellowship with people who are different from us, to be in people from a different culture with us, so that we can begin to see what our our human traditions and what are, in fact, God's commands When we step outside of our own culture, we understand it more clearly. And so we need to be in fellowship, reading the Bible together with those who are different from us. The third thing that Jesus would say to us is in verse 14, where Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone. Listen to Jesus, is what he would say to us. Listen to me. He is our authority. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, over and over again, Jesus says, You have heard it said to you, and he puts in there a, an Old Testament command, but says, but I say to you, and he then interprets that command. This is Mark's version of Jesus asserting his authority. The Old Testament said that certain foods indeed were unclean. But I say to you, Jesus says, but I say to you, nothing outside a person can defile them. What made foods unclean in the Old Testament was God declaring it to be so. And they are now no longer unclean because now God in Jesus is declaring them to be clean. How do we know whether the issues that are threatening to pull us apart are merely human traditions or they are God's commands? We need to listen to Jesus. Of course, Jesus doesn't say anything in the scriptures about wearing masks or not, right? He doesn't address the concerns of capitalism or Marxism. But we need to know the mind of Christ. We need to immerse ourselves in the book that he immersed himself in, the Old Testament. We need to immerse ourselves in the Gospels. We need to immerse ourselves in the New Testament with the apostles who lived with him We need to cultivate the life of the Spirit, learning to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit together. That's what we're doing here. That's what this sermon is about, us being attentive to the Holy Spirit, discerning together. Then the fourth thing that Jesus would say to us today is found in verse 20, that it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. What I want, what the Pharisees and scribes wanted, is a checklist, right? If I wash my hands, then I won't be defiled. I will be clean. I will be acceptable. And perhaps most importantly, if I wash my hands, then you will know that I am clean, right? You can post the right message on Facebook. You can post the right message on Instagram. You can put the right yard sign in your yard, And I'm not saying we should not do those things. We should stand up for what is right, and we should stand against injustice in whatever form. But what is the overflow of your heart? What does your heart long for? In verses 21 and 22, Jesus describes for us what is the overflow of the human heart. He lists 12 evil thoughts that come from within the human heart. Listen to them again. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. These come from within the human heart, Jesus says. Notice the themes in this list. Sexual sin, violence, greed and financial sin, and sins that break and destroy community. Notice particularly the last two items in the list. Arrogance and folly that come flowing out of our hearts. I saw this most clearly in myself this weekend. We have, uh, many of you may have done the same thing. We have bird feeders now as a result of the pandemic. And we put in a hummingbird feeder. And uh, I didn't realize that you had to change the the food in the hummingbird feeder regularly and so finally i did that and the hummingbirds came back and uh kim came home the other day and there the hummingbird was this beautiful hummingbird at the feeder she took three pictures beautiful pictures two of them the bird you know hovering there feeding and one of a bird sitting on top of the feeder just sitting there, are not flying and she posted it on our family uh chat whatever and uh and uh, um, one of the kids said about the picture of the one standing on the feeder, is that a wren? Because it looked a little bit like a Carolina wren, if you know your, and, and uh, Kim said, no, it was a hummingbird. Uh, and I was not there when she saw it, but I know birds pretty well, right? <laughs> and so even though Kim told me the story of coming home and seeing the birds there and seeing it sitting, but, I know what a wren looks like, and so I I posted on the family chat, uh, no, it's not a hummingbird, it's a wren, right? (laughs) Arrogance and folly, right? (laughs) I'd never really seen a hummingbird sitting before. It was too fat and chunky to be a hummingbird, I thought, right? But it was a hummingbird. But I thought because I knew better, better than the person who had seen it, that I should correct my wife. Arrogance and folly, right? But that kind of arrogance just sort of flows out of me, right? It's just within my heart, and it easily springs up. And folly, folly, what I did was foolish, but folly here particularly means you know, the biblical definition of a fool is a person who believes there is no God, right? Right? And how much of our lives naturally spring out of our heart, living our lives as if God did not exist. And we live in that kind of folly all the time. Even those of us who know the truth of who God is. Beloved as we strive to live in these days where we are prone to be pulled apart, indeed, as we're prone to be pulled apart by important issues that divide us, as we're prone to be pulled apart through this pandemic as we each struggle to know how to navigate our health concerns as well as our concerns for our life together, let us examine our own hearts. Jesus starts his response by naming our hypocrisy and he ends it, with naming the evil in our hearts. By God's grace, we might be able to discern, indeed make a distinction between what is God's command and what is human tradition. We might be able, indeed, to listen to Jesus. I might be able to get right every single question that is coming before us in our life together. But if we get it all right, and our hearts are still filled with these evil thoughts, Beloved, can we walk together in these days in humility, not judging my brother or sister by the external evidences of their defilement or cleanliness and acknowledging our own sinful hearts, not avoiding these difficult issues, but humbly, gracefully seeking together the voice of Jesus And indeed, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and may his face shining upon you be reflected in my face toward you and your face toward me. And might the light of his countenance be upon us. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your willingness to speak a word that is hard for us to hear, the truth of our hearts, of how we can do what looks right on the outside but still be far from you. Grateful that we can come before you not having to defend ourselves, not having to pretend, not having to assert how clean we are, how right we are, but that we can come honestly and say, yes, Lord, you are right. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us. And may we together walk humbly, love you well, love one another well.